Hi, it's Matt. Just before we start the show, I want to tell you about a great live event I've got coming up on the 27th of March. To celebrate 600 episodes of Recruiting Future, I'm going to be hosting a live Ask Me Anything webinar. This is your chance to pick my brain on anything you like, including market trends and predictions, the impact of AI on recruiting, skills-based hiring, the changing role of recruiters, podcasting tips, or even my favourite Scottish tourist destinations and whiskies. Literally, ask me anything. I'll also be joined by some surprise special guests who'll be adding their perspectives to the conversation. You can sign up now by going to mattalder.me slash AMA. That's mattalder.me slash AMA. And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time. mattalder.me slash AMA. Support for this podcast comes from Transform. Recruiting Future is excited to announce a partnership with Transform. Transform brings together people-driven leaders, investors and innovators across industries and backgrounds with a shared passion for people innovation and transforming the world of work. Transform 2024 promises to be the best yet. You can expect three days of powerful content, innovation showcases, probing conversations, hands-on learning experiences, over 300 speakers and energising after-hours networking Las Vegas style. So, come and meet me in Vegas on March the 11th through the 13th. Register now and save $200 by going to mattalder.me slash transform. That's mattalder.me slash transform. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 587 of the Recruiting Future podcast. With so much focus on potential AI-driven disruptive change and debate about the future, it's sometimes easy to forget that many employers are still struggling to develop and leverage their culture and some still lack basic standardisation processes for talent acquisition and other aspects of the people function. Looking at what's happening in startups and scale-up businesses is always interesting. They build business functions from a blank sheet of paper and often develop interesting and new ways of thinking and working. My guest this week is Rosa Shafranek, founder and CEO at HR Hints. HR Hints acts as an external HR team to over 70 scaling companies. Rosa has used this experience to develop the Culture IV method of building organisational cultures and processes, which is shared in a recent book called Culture IV, The Power of Changing a Workplace. Rosa believes employers should address some long-standing issues in TA, such as the candidate experience and biased hiring processes. She also has a counterpoint view on the current efficacy of AI in hiring. Hi, Rosa, and welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Super nice to be here. And thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Brilliant to have you on the show. Please, could you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? 
Absolutely. Thank you. Um, uh, I'm Rosa yeah, and I'm the founder and CEO of HR Hints. That is the first HR boutique uh, operating in subscription model. Um, and we are working uh, for European and US uh, companies. And that's, that's our first business, HR Hints. So it's like B2B model um, and our experts are acting as external HR um, managers, consultants, change managers. So like acting as interim um on a daily basis and our second business is culture ivy uh, and culture ivy is the platform the method and the book the book uh, published uh, in october actually it was the last year uh, so um we've kicked off from from us because we are having uh, great partners there so uh the first version was uh, published there the second version uh will be uh having the premiere in april in europe and culture ivy and the full title is uh culture ivy the power of changing workplace and um as i said it's like the set um of the methodology based on uh, more than 100 of companies we've supported as HR hints and writing down all the patterns, all the repeatable things, uh, all the standards. Um, because what we see when we are having quite a big scale uh, is that uh, a lot of things when it comes to the people and culture and talent area are just repeating. So um, just having, you know, all these things down. Um, so yeah, that these are like two main things um, I'm into right now. Cool. Fantastic. Tell us a little bit more about the book. I mean, you kind of sort of hinted there about why you wrote it. What else is in it? What could people expect to see if they read it? The main thing uh, about uh, Culture Ivy as a method is that uh, it is a guidance uh, for building and scaling organizational culture. Organizational culture, not in that understanding that it's just the atmosphere or it's just um, having free lunches or Friday pizza, uh, pizza Fridays, um, I don't know, chocolate Wednesdays or whatever. It's rather about building effectiveness teams and showing that uh, this opposition between business and delivery and people and culture is false, actually. So making all like super tidied up having rhythms, having routines are really boosting effectiveness. Having people and culture, it's not like additional nice thing or, you know, like spending time together and having fun, but it is the, the must have for building a healthy business and scaling it. So that's the, that's the main theme of, of the book. And, uh, that what we've noticed when we were having like 100 companies on our account as HR hints, we decided to, uh, divide them into four groups, uh, depending on the growth. It's like the second super important thing of culture IV that it's not about industry. It's rather about the size of the company when it comes to, op uh, when it comes to opportunities, when it comes to challenges. We are usually used to that type of thinking that, okay, if we are looking for candidates, let's find, if we are the med tech company, for example, we are used to that thinking that, okay, let's hire someone from the other med tech. And it's much better to think, okay, we need someone from the same size of the company or someone who brought company from one stage to the second or who was 
looking at uh, um, from from the very close distance or building it actually the growth so so that's the thing basically that uh, we are having like four basic stages um, for companies uh, up to 500 people on board we are just going through um, three areas so uh, through the leadership as a first one people and culture as a second one and talent acquisition as a third one and we are just you know giving the guideline how to go through every step of growth uh, just to make sure that we are able to standardize it, optimize it, and and, and have it written down. Uh, I want to talk about recruiting and talent acquisition in a second, but just to talk a little bit more about culture first. You mentioned it there as a critical part of what companies do and, and, their, and their growth. Is it more important now than it, than it has been in the past? It is, um, because what we see uh, when we look at the reports of Stanford University, of University of Harvard, and uh, it's the same for bigger uh, companies, uh, reports like Big Four companies, for example, we see that last year was the worst, um, the most challenging uh, when it comes to uh, burnout, when it comes to all these effects we know um, from, from tabloids. So uh, lazy girl, bare minimum Monday and all that stuff. But it's just, you know, the, the top of the, the top of the problem. Under that, we see that people are extremely tired, especially in Europe, especially in US, uh, when it comes to the following uh, consequences of uh, the wars around us, lockdowns, pandemic, hybrid work or fully remote work. In the first phase, uh, it was super enthusiastic for people who were super enthusiastic and we can save time on one hand, but on the other hand, it's like super new and um, Zoom fatigue effects that makes us much more tired than than ever uh, makes people um, in a super different and new situation. And the fact that the last year was, was having the highest rates of uh, just having a gap for senior managers, people changing job or taking part-time job. And we see that one third of um, whole uh, companies, especially hiring uh, white colors, they are struggling with people who say like, I'm not able to work as previously. I'm not able, I know that business is having its um, requirements and expectations, but on the other hand, I'm super, super tired and, and burned out. This is a huge challenge, how to manage people and culture area and still uh, being able, especially that we are having the crisis and um, how to manage the business delivery uh, with uh, people who are responsible at the end of the day for this delivery and they declare uh, being extremely tired. So it's kind of paradox, but in the current times, uh, people and culture is really needed area and it cannot be the additional one, the additional thing, uh, because of the fact that it's too crucial and people see that effectiveness in a lot of companies is going down and we need to manage it well. We need to tidy it up when it comes to uh, behaviors, practices, rhythms, interactions, just to able to measure it, just to able to forecast it. Because if we are able to find a concrete problems or or just write down and name the problems we are able to to solve them and so far people and culture um for many many years was in that position that it was like quite 
fluffy in general in descripting uh, in wording so that's the it's the highest time to um to rescue business just putting a lot of effort in in the people and culture area i think that's really interesting because you, you've highlighted there just how much these stories have been in the news and on socials about you know burnout and people having very different attitudes to work after the pandemic What's the answer to some of this? I mean, what practical steps are you seeing companies take to develop and kind of really leverage their culture to sort of power that engagement with their people? The first thing is just to name it because you are not able to measure it. You you don't need to measure, describe or forecast uh, something you don't understand. And the first step is to uh, stop the situation and to end up that mindset uh, that people in an organization are the black box. So uh, the first step uh, should be uh, writing down the basic practices, behaviors, and values in organizations. And uh, when we talk about values with with a lot of companies, um, we hear like, okay, so... What what does it change? What's the change uh, following uh, after having like five values written on the wall or something in the pre- presentation? Like no one r- is able to remember it, and and people really don't care, and that's the problem. So uh, it's not about values. It's not about having like you know this uh, three main topics or five main topics, but it's about practices and rhythms. So. That's the first step, just to write down, just to know where we are. So what are the reporting routines? Uh, How often people are um, meeting with uh, the managers regarding skip level one-on-ones, one-on-ones, weekly, monthly, what they report, how often, what's the form of this reporting? If they don't deliver, what's happening? If they don't deliver for a month, what's happening? Uh, If they don't deliver for three months, are they able to get any help or uh, any steps the company is doing? Or what's happening uh, in the situation of undelivered? Because organization cult, organ, organizational culture is to support effectiveness and to tidy it up. So that's their first thing, just to describe it. The second thing is to check if the business goals are supported by the culture. Very often we say like, okay, uh, we need to be more, let's say, inclusive. And when we look at our talent acquisition practices, when we look at our uh, people and culture, uh, descriptions, routines, flow, uh, behaviors acceptable and non-acceptable, we say like, okay, we, we don't do nothing actually to support inclusiveness. So, and that's, that's fine because having that consciousness, uh, having that knowledge and making it con- concrete is just taking us to to call to actions so call to actions uh, is the is the first step and having the plan if we want to modify the culture if we want to set up the rules for example i know set up the all hands meeting or set up uh, the different way of reporting if we are using um i don't know confluence or jira or notion for uh, for reporting and it's not working so uh, people every week are saying the same and nothing is changing and uh, we are not able to uh, estimate the time and we we are not delivering on time. However, we are having a lot of people in the team uh, because that's the problem that leaders are flagging very often that, okay, I have people for that and I think I have skills in my team, but 
I'm not able to um, to commit to, to to any terms because we failed like for the last three times we uh, we we've committed to that. So that's the uh, like this basic three steps. So the first one describe the situation, the um, culture, meaning values, behaviors, and practices. The second uh, the second step decide how they support the business goals, and if not, what are we doing to modify that or to change it somehow and the third one uh, what are the specific cultural actions how we implement it what we change when it comes to the rhythm of the company the reporting style and um, and all that things you mentioned there the issues with skills the issues with re- recruiting people uh, also companies recruiting people then laying people off you know there's there's kind of so much going on in the in the talent space at the moment how do you think organizations should think about talent right now I think that a challenge uh, of the talent space uh, is on one hand, it's quite interesting because on one hand, we are having a lot of new solutions. Uh, We are having AI for uh, HR. Uh, We are having automation processes. But on the other hand, still, we are having basic problems like um, 90% of candidates in Europe are not getting any feedback. After recruitment process. So we are discussing a culture feed checked by AI, but we are not able to give people the basic information. So um, that's the that's the thing to solve. And when it comes to uh, the understanding of talent, I think like the, the biggest uh, change in the current year and in the next years uh, will be um, strengthening the importance of that part of asking questions and verifying the candidates uh, because we are pretty uh, headhunters and head- headhunting driven. So we say, I need the best candidate. Uh, I need a rock star, uh, the best candidate from the market. We don't care or we don't have enough knowledge very often as an organization to verify that candidate. So uh, we think that if we are having, I don't know, great CFO, for example, uh, he or she will be the best match for every company. And we know very well that it's not true. So uh, what are the practices of the company to build the non-biases or less biased uh, recruitment process? So how to ask questions, how to divide these um, aspects of uh, perfect recruitment persona to interpersonal skills, intrapersonal skills, and role-related skills. Like how we avoid the problem that we are having five recruitment steps and every person is checking the same. And it's just chitty chatty and checking the vibe. Like we are having a lot of situation, uh, situations like that, that someone is saying, oh yeah, we are having great candidate. We are like having great vibe with this person. And you say like, okay, so what was checked already? You've taken like five hours of someone's time and your time as well as a company. So what do we know about the candidate? Well, he's a great guy or like... She's having a great communication flow. And it's like, okay, I see that. She's having 15 years of experience. So I can imagine from the CV, what do we know after all these conversations? And very often, it's not much, actually. Um, So um, just, you know, again, uh, tidying it up, standardizing it, uh, having a goal for every step, not repeating questions, um, and dividing all that skills, like um, no matter if we are looking for interpersonal, intrapersonal uh, or role related, just dividing them to steps and um, 
asking one person for asking one thing will be the strong focus for that because organizations are more and more aware that it's not only about who they got, how hot is the CV, but also how we check that person. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We out. So the organizations who are doing that really well, is there anything else that they're doing to sort of make sure that they're evolving recruitment into this sort of into this non-biased process that's giving you know that works for everyone that's giving them what they want is there an, an aspect of something else that those those companies do to make that work you know that very well that it's a lot of to a lot of things to do still uh, in a talent acquisition however uh, it's a better measured than people and culture uh, still because um, you know we are having all these uh, measures like number things so uh, time to hire time to fill uh, the response rate and all that stuff i think what's crucial for being good uh, in, in in recruitment is really having standardization and not psycholo- ma- making it too psychological and I'm saying that uh, after spending like 10 years at the university in psychology, uh, after PhD uh, studies, very often I see that avoiding that um, mindset that, okay, I see that candidate was sitting on the right side of the table. And that means that uh, he wants to dominate the, the room. Uh, you know, like all that, um, um, not, not concrete, but guesses based on just, you know, kind of feelings and avoiding them and building the mechanisms in organizations uh, that are helping to do that are making recruitment process less biased. So I think if I could say like one thing additionally to, to your previous questions and, and one thing that is like the common thing for, for successful recruiting is, is that thing, just to making it standardized and not adding things that we cannot measure. Absolutely. And what impact do you think AI is going to have on HR and talent acquisition? We've seen a huge amount of talk about it in the in the last year. You know, some imp- some sort of impacts in, in in various places, but you know, there's a, there's a real sense that the biggest impact is to is to come. What do you think that impact will be? 
when it comes to the AI in recruitment, especially, so uh, when we are talking about uh, automation, when we are talking about bots, when we are talking about um, ATSs uh, with, for example, making notes, this is the this is the great thing when it comes to the declaration. And what I see in practice uh, from from the last year, I see very often that. People are super interested, uh, especially in tech organizations. Uh, they explore a lot of uh, solutions and um, they, they implement them uh, only if they are like small things changers. I see that uh, big solutions uh, that are, for example, AI-driven and they uh, focus on, for example, culture feed. I've seen like three uh, such solutions last year and they were all tech startups uh, because we are working a lot of uh, private equity and VC uh, venture capital investors. So we are having a lot of new tech businesses uh, on our table. And when I see so sophisticated solutions. And when I see big changes when it comes to automation, I'm afraid that in the next two, three years, they won't be successful because people are super afraid of new um, implementations. And I see that uh, HR directors are taking care, they're like, there's first first reaction to that. They say, we won't be automating um, so big amount of things, uh, not to being forced to to fire a lot of people. Um, After um, it is actions of Google, for example, of or IBM, when AI was able to replace a lot of people and in the following thousands of people uh, lost their jobs. Uh, After that, and it was like the middle of the year, after that, I saw that a lot of HR directors and and a lot of, um, especially head of talent, experts and managers, they decided to not go super um, bravely and and with with the boldness into, into new solutions, rather focusing on okay so maybe we can do additional we can take additional feature to to our ATS so that's the that's the vibe uh, I think that we rather talk about changes uh, in um, made by AI in, in nature than we do that uh, in the last two quarters that's what I th- that's what I see and I think that before we won't go through the mental change, because what we see, uh, especially from candidates' side, that uh, if they are taking part in the recruitment process, supporting uh, supported by AI, uh, the response rates and and their interactions are going down even even up to forty percent. So uh, people still are having the distance to AI. They don't like to talk to bots. They don't like to uh, talk, especially uh, if they are like voice bots and. On one hand, we know that it's coming in talent and, and people and culture. On the other hand, we want to be sure that it won't be super intensive. Uh, that's my that's my take on, on it. So I suppose to summarize everything that we've talked about, I mean, how do you hope that talent acquisition will develop in the future? So if we, if we were having this conversation sort of two or three years time, what, what do you hope would be happening? I think like three basic things. Um, the first one uh, we, we discussed previously, so that people will 
pay more attention into verifying and checking candidates, not only getting great candidates. The second thing, uh, for sure, it will be uh, because we we see that wave already, uh, and I think will be it will be stronger and stronger that uh, people are able to spend more time uh, on defining the perfect recruitment persona. So who exactly am I looking for rather than meeting hundreds of candidates later? Um, and it's the it, it's quite new uh, because it's like five may, four five years maybe because very often hiring managers previously were saying like I don't know who am I looking for it's just CFO just using that example it's just C- uh, CFO so uh, find me ten candidates and I will I will make the decision whom exactly am I looking for and now I can see that people are able and want to spend more time on defining. Um, the persona so to prepare more at the beginning to save the time actually uh, because you are able to 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 meet like three candidates uh, when you are having like a pretty great standardized persona and you know who you are looking for so that's the that's the second thing and the third thing what I, what I see uh, especially in a crisis in in the last year a lot of recruitment agencies a lot of uh, headhunters and uh, and advisors were waiting for having the job because uh, companies were saying okay we'll be doing it on our own there is a, a, lot, a lot of candidates on the market so we'll manage and what we see they are not able to manage. So the recruitment processes are taking a lot of time and they are like even 150% longer uh, than before the crisis. So uh, they are looking for and they are waiting for the perfect candidate from the market. Surprisingly, they are not able to do that uh, if they don't have HR manager or talent acquisition expert uh, because it's still hard, like market Okay, maybe there are m- much more candidates, but on the other hand, people are tired and uh, great candidates are off the market uh, or they are having another different expectations than previously. So they won't work uh, a lot as, as in, in last years. So uh, the pool is smaller, actually, the, like the real pool. And the next step of that, and, and that's my, that's my third, um, uh, th- third forecast is that uh, it will be professionalizing regularly and quite intensively in the last, uh, in the next uh, year, in the next two years, uh, because people see that that mindset that, okay, it's easy. I'll do that on my own, won't work. So that's the, that's the third. Rosa, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. My thanks to Rosa. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.
Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analysts at Chiffre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts.